to welcome to our Shangri-La Art Podcast, Gusti Saruni and Dr. Stephanie Chalk. Gusti Saruni is a volunteer at home and Steph is a former case manager at home and also a volunteer and independent researcher. Can you tell us what HOME stands for, H-O-M-E, in Singapore? <laughs> Hi everyone. So HOME stands for Humanitarian Organization for Migration Economics. Maybe Stephanie <laughs> can explain more about what HOME does as an yeah. NGO. <laughs> so uh, HOME is a migrant worker NGO that's been around for more than a decade. Um, it runs a shelter for, I mean, basically it's an NGO that looks after the rights and well-being of migrant workers in Singapore. It runs a shelter for domestic workers in distress and um, help desk for all migrant workers. Right. And you've recently been involved in a very um, integral case that has kind of shaken mm. up the local news, um, this case of Partigliani. Um, could you tell us a bit about that? I mean, for people that don't aren't based in Singapore and don't know what the case was about, how would you kind of summarize that? Uh, so Partigliani is an Indonesian domestic worker. Uh, she's been working in Singapore for more than 20 years. Um, in 2016, when she was still working for uh, Liu Man Leong, um, she was uh, suddenly terminated um, on October 2016. Uh, she came back on the, to Singapore in December 2016 where she was um, arrested mm. and um, accused of stealing from the Liu family. Um, she uh, denied the charges. Uh, she claimed she was innocent. And at the time, she was staying at the home shelter. I was the case manager at the time when she was charged with theft. So we took on a case. We engaged a pro bono lawyer, Anil Bang Chandani of Red Lion Circle. And uh, the case went to trial. And um, after the state court trial, she was actually sentenced. We appealed the state court uh, decision. Uh, so the case went on to the magistrate's court, the high court. Um, we appealed and she was finally acquitted mm. of all charges in September 2020. Amazing. Right? Yeah, so it's been a really long journey. So um, since 2016, December to so a four-year journey, yeah, almost to resolve this. And and who is Liu Man Leong? Why did this case shake up so much of the media? Uh, so Liu Man Leong is the former chairman of uh, Changi Airport Group. Um, at the time when uh, the trial was going on, he was the Changi Airport Group chairman and the former uh, director. Or I mean, at Capital Land, mm-hmm. so he was quite a. Uh, uh, sort of powerful and influential men uh, and a business elite. So I think when Yani was acquitted, there was a lot of media interest. And I think shortly after that, uh, Yani was acquitted, um, Lee Manyong actually stepped down from Changi Airport Group. And, you know, uh, one of the reasons why we are speaking today. Right? I mean, this is an art podcast. So, you know, it's uh, it's really interesting to look at art uh, and uh, social issues like this together and how art plays a role in either advocacy work, you know, like the work that you guys do, uh, as well as in, you know, letting us not forget that something like this happened you know, like whether it is something political or some kind of 
natural disaster or environmental issues or uh, humanitarian disaster, you know. Uh, and I know that, uh, Steph, you've been speaking to a few artists probably, you know, about um, re... How do you say this? Like uh, re- uh, reenacting or how would you describe it? Recasting? Re- uh, mm, it, it, so far, it's been left open. It's mm. not like I approached artists and said, um, I, I want you to do this, mm. right? Mm. So I approached, uh, actually even before Yanni was acquitted, I'd already approached a theatre practitioner. Mm. And my, my reason for doing so was also because this particular person had previously written a play about a migrant domestic worker mm. that I felt was very powerful and nuanced. Mm-hmm. And for me, working on Yanni's case for so many years, we are just buried to our eyeballs with legal jargon, mm-hmm. with writing submissions. That's right. And we are so confined by very legalistic terminology mm. that only experts who are legally mm. trained um, can use, right? But no one has really managed to capture the, the emotional responses mm. that I felt this case embodied and should invoke in others mm. and I felt that what he did with the play was he, he really managed to bring out the power dynamics mm. between different groups of persons yeah. maybe for context right may we know also what roles both of you play <laughs> you know, in these four yeah. years yes. uh, this is very interesting actually because yeah you were still a, a case manager uh, at the beginning of, of, of Yanni's case right whereas I came in I was first introduced on the team in my capacity as an interpreter as mm-hmm. a Bahasa Indonesia speaking interpreter mm-hmm. So as Anil formed our team and as we have started um, becoming more comfortable in assisting in this case, all of a sudden we find ourselves just taking on whatever action item that we come uh, that we feel comfortable in taking. For example, okay, an interesting thing would be okay, we would read through, yeah, we would read through um the entire transcript notes of evidence and it's very thick okay we would read through this transcript like so many times thousands of pages right Mm -hmm. to find uh, discrepancies Mm -hmm. to seek clarification from Partigliani herself to yeah to seek a trial oh my gosh and yes I attended um, 19 out of 22, I guess, full-day trials wow. mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, it, yeah, the trial stretched for nine months. And how many day, hours right? each? Full-day trial would start from around 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, amazing. And how, yeah. how about your... Uh, personal relationship with Yanni like mm. because you know at the end of the day or in the middle of it all is this person right mm. you know we are all talking about the story uh, the, yeah the, 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 the accuser yeah. and then we're talking about the lawyer we talk about the judge mm. and then of course we do talk about the person the accused at that time uh, party Liani 
Uh, and of course, you both would have a very cro- close relationship with her. Mm. You know, like how was that? How was that relationship in the in these four years? Like as a friend or as a I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> how can you describe your relationship? Oh, how do I describe it? Because our relationship um with one another also grew over time. Even our relationship with um. Anil yeah. himself as a lawyer, yeah. right? Yeah. It's such an emotional roller coaster, I feel yeah. like. So I mean, it's been three plus years, mm-hmm. right? So initially, when I mean, when I did like I reached out to Anil and I reached out to Gusti, it was mm. part of my job, right? Mm-hmm. It was my work. I had to do that. Right. Annie was in a way under the care of home shelter, and I did everything. I, I guess in a more kind of like okay, um, a, a checklist kind of mm. way like okay, get lawyer, do mm. thing, do this, but then um, and Yani is quite private, mm. you know, at least in the initial period. So I felt that um, it was a, a, an unraveling of Yani over the months mm. and the years, right? Mm. And because there was so much work to do, when we met so regularly, mm. it was a process because we spent so much time together, not just at meetings, but. We have to travel to meetings and from mm. meetings. Yeah. We have mm. to wait a lot. Mm. You know, we have to wait for the lawyer. We have to wait in the court. We have to, <laughs> yeah. So we had to spend a lot of time chatting and getting to know each other. Mm. I guess in a way, maybe the relationship between Gusti and Yani would be slightly different, maybe because they can communicate better with mm. each other. Mm. So quite often, I have to communicate to Yani via Gusti, mm. although mm. you know she, she can still generally understand. But mm. I feel that my relationship with Yani has changed over the years in that like I went from being her case manager mm. I hope to something a little bit more like I hope she can sense that it was not just some kind of job obligation that I mm. I, I did what I did because mm. it was my job but then mm. I did what I did because I believe in innocence and and I have I'm very effect- I have strong affection mm-hmm. for her. Yeah, I I have I have heard uh, Yani call both of you sister, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that's uh, I think it means that it's broken the work type relationship, mm-hmm. you know, because you become more personal and more relatable. Um, it is also a culture that we instill in our organization, right? Um, to um to call each other sister and brother, mm-hmm. just to ensure that yeah, we have the um, level of intimacy to gain um a level of trust amongst mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. But at the start, did she approach home, or was it kind of raised to you guys that there was something going on and it needed to be investigated, and she needed that help? Or support. Mm-hmm. She was um, partially, and it was referred to home by police wow. because okay. yeah, she did not um, have um, any place to stay. She mm. could not afford to stay anywhere. So um, after her remand at the police station, she needed to find a place to stay uh, mm. to stay by herself on mm. her own. So um, she spent an amount of time um, staying at a. I don't know where that was so actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She paid for it. In a hostel. And, and, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lodging place. Right. We don't know uh, where it was. Yeah. But then um after after some time she could no longer afford, mm. right? So then she was um referred to home. Mm. Thank God <laughs> by yeah. police. So yeah. yeah. So initially she had no idea what home was yeah. mm-hmm. because it was called home then. 
first she thought, oh, then um, then I would be house. sent. <laughs> no, first she thought that she would be sent back home to Indonesia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So I mean, you know what? What is what is uh, sort of the feeling of triumph? And I think in this case is the fact that the first time it was the high court, right? Was it district court or? No, so it was the state court. Uh, yes, state court first. Sent to twenty six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was the second time around, which was high, high court. court. Then yeah. uh, she was acquitted. Yeah, she was acquitted. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of gave a lot of people in Singapore a feeling of justice finally served. You know, like you you fight a giant, and then and we know or there is this feeling that. There probably are many more cases like this mm. where, you know, uh, the defendant just loses the will mm. to fight, and then okay, it's okay. I just go to prison for a couple of months or you know, a couple of years, and then just turn over a new page and move on. I think this time round, uh, that was the the factor that made us feel there is hope you know yeah. and hope is a big thing in in art in humanities mm-hmm. you know because it makes us relate to why we even exist you know like why we need to help each other uh, so going back to this whole idea of art and social justice yeah. right uh, I mean to be very honest one of the things that I've been observing personally as a curator you know uh and, you know, previously I started off as an artist, is that I have been around a lot of artists whose work um, talks about justice and talks about equality, you know. Uh, but sometimes I find that it is, they do not necessarily practice what they preach, you know. And then uh, more so now I feel with the newer generation or younger generation of artists, when the case of Patiliani, you know, happened and we see and we read a lot about it in the media, you know, on Facebook pages, the comments were amazing. If you read uh, people's comments and people's support for her, you know, even Home did a fundraiser for her, which over less than 24 hours, you raised, you know, the target amount that you wanted, which was $28,000, I think. Yes. Uh, yet, a lot of people in the art scene were quiet. Mm. You know, in terms of the art making, you know, we don't see any, or I don't see any trace of this case in any art form here yet. Mm-hmm. Whereas as compared to uh, something happening, a movement happening way beyond us, let's say in the US with Black Lives Matter, suddenly, you know, immediately almost, you mm-hmm. see art created in relation to that. I wonder, you know, if you have any feelings about this, you know, that artists should be closer to issues like this, you know, locally. Mm, I guess I don't generally, I don't feel, I mean, I know some artists, um, not very closely, but like linked on Facebook, Mm. right? So I don't know if I have a, a pulse on the scene to say that mm. nobody is saying anything, mm. right? Because there's so many other issues where, I mean, I feel like equally important, like the death penalty, mm. for example, mm. right? Or, or just, well, well, when, when I say saying, right, yeah. I'm not saying saying as in like, 
commenting, giving an opinion, or, or yeah, giving an opinion, right. but creating, doing something through, out of through, it through yeah. through through yeah. the art form. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You get what I mean? Because saying like all of us, you know, we have all something to say. Yeah, I I mean I don't know if if and I'm saying this as a non-artist, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's also because art and certain types of art forms take time to create, right? Mm. So I've had conversations with. I've initiated conversations with different uh, arts practitioners mm. and they have expressed interest but um, one or two of them are tied up with other projects mm. and they also feel like they need a bit more time because this case is very complex, right? Mm. Like I can give you a summary but if you wanted to read through the notes of evidence, <laughs> it would take you at least a month or yeah. like unless you just do nothing but read that every day. Yeah. Like it would take a lot of time for you to fully understand all the the so-called characters involved, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And understand the timeline and read through all the transcripts to get mm-hmm. a flavour, you know. So it depends also on the type of art that's going to be created. And I think because it's a legal case, mm-hmm. people are also especially careful about how they want to represent something that actually happened in real life. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's an actual event, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you... If it's not fictionalized, then if you want to be true to what happened, then you need to be very clear about mm. the facts and what happened. And that's mm. going to take a lot of research. But I mean, yeah. same things happen elsewhere. You know, and artists react like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in US, we, we see it very easily. You know, is it, do you think it is somehow the, the way the system is laid out in Singapore that make people apprehensive about approaching a a local issue yeah or immediately commenting you know through their art you know on local issues Mm. definitely there's so many uh constraints on 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 freedom of expression right i mean Mm. what happened to subas and Mm. the right there was an immediate response to Mm. brown face and then what Mm. happened they got a stern warning in the end Mm. you know you you say something you do something and then someone body files an anonymous police report and then mm. you get investigated, right? Mm. So I I I think that there could also be possibly self-censorship, uh, caution, mm. you know, and particularly when it's based on a real event, mm. it may be even more caution about how to mm. represent something that's that if it happens in a court of law, it, it may seem even less ambiguous, right? Mm. About who's right or who's wrong. Mm. So um I can understand if there's some hesitancy and yeah. I think I think to a certain extent, right? Like what you just mentioned that uh, some of the practitioners, arts practitioners you spoke to felt like they need a bit of more time and, and, and material, you know, in order to form, you know, or make their, their artwork in relation to this and that they want to, yes. it's just that they need more information. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this would, I imagine, be the same kind of finesse that the legal team and your team, you know, working with Anil, the lawyer, mm-hmm. like had to kind of deal with or craft in order to argue the case, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't, the moment you say something in court, it's, it's, it's off, Public, it's, it's right? gone, you know, like yeah. you can't really pull it back. Yeah. So was it like that? Was it like every single move that your team made on this case had to be like calculated and you know uh 
thought through. Yeah, thought through really deeply. I mean, there was a lot of discussions we met very often, Mm. but I mean, clearly there is somebody who's a legal expert Mm. who is (laughs) leading us, right? So it's not like we... I mean, at least for me, I mean, we, we've had others who are legally trained on the mm. team as well from home and they can kind of contribute to that. But I think we all contributed in different ways, mm. right? So when it came to to final legalistic arguments where you needed to apply case law, for example, mm. you know, sometimes it was just beyond me to fully grapple with legal concepts and mm. and, and, and all that. But we, we may have to craft arguments and try and make them persuasive through what we understood of what happened in court mm. right and Gusti and I would also have to had to assist with evidence gathering by finding mm. the the knife lady <laughs> <laughs> and the watch expert and, and things like that mm. but definitely it was like very much collaborative mm. um, and fine-tuning but they were very different tools mm. and different well, persons and expertise and different types of tools yeah, I, I, I feel that at the end of the day right the result achieved was groundbreaking, you know, if not like earth-shattering, you know, for this country, right? Um, and then when I think about the excuses, I would say that, that artists have in not making statements or being with through their art, you know, saying, like I said, saying is one thing, but making art that talks about this. Yeah. You know, if the case could be that groundbreaking, why can't art as well be as groundbreaking you know like the case has already won and won over the entire citizenship of this country (laughs) you know like so every taxi driver i met was talking (laughs) about the next day yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, every everyone knows even i bump into a friend at a mall like like after you guys won the case and then and this guy i haven't spoken to him in like two or three years or something Mm -hmm. like that and then he told me that, hey, your wife was working on the case of this too, right? Like, please send my congratulations mm-hmm. to her. You know, like, mm-hmm. I never expected this guy to know that this person you know, yes. I was, is yeah. associated to me. So it has changed, you know, it has shifted the paradigm, mm-hmm. you know, now. But, you know, my concern is why is art still not wanting to shift, you know, like taking a lesson from this and... And I agree with you that at this point, like each and every one of us have been fed with enough data, right, Mm. from the case in order for us to come up with something and for artists to make their contribution Mm. and to... Um, and to deliver a message in a more creative way for people to understand and feel and moved mm. by it, yeah. right? To take an action. Mm. So, so yes, yes, I actually agree with you on that because, yeah, so I think one of the great challenges today is that most people would still feel untouched or disconnected or not, um, they don't feel related to this case, mm. um, possibly because of... Um, party's own background as a domestic worker or mm. as a non-Singaporean. Yeah. Mm. So possibly more, um, some people would still feel disconnected and they don't feel moved by it, mm. possibly. So this is where artists come in, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, this is where they can use 
their freedom to come up with the most unorthodox ways in approaching this very important mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. in order to make people understand and feel and moved by and to subsequently mm. take action. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about what Steph said about mm. approaching this theater practitioner and mm. and the baseline is feeling, right? You're trying to make people feel. Mm. And when it comes to art kind of taking on a social issue, there is um, the space, I mean, we call it poetic license, right? The artist can take what they want from it and kind of turn it into something else. How far are you guys cool with that, you know? Assuming that this case was taken on as an art project, as an art um, work, and certain facts were exaggerated maybe to make it more dramatic, to drive home the point a bit more. Would that be a problem, you think? Or is it, you know, in the spirit of poetic license? I'm 100% agree with that. I'm 100% (laughs) in support of um, the artistic ways to um, deliver, to present Mm. um, this case. Um, yes, because I mean, imagine the emotional roller coaster that we have <laughs> been through all this time. That was not. Uh, that was not. Um, well, the public did not get the sense of that through the data presented by the mass media, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and 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 I think you know in creation, right? In the act of creative work. Uh, there are many ways to speak about this mm-hmm. because I think this case with Partiliani is not just a case about her. Yeah. At the end of the day, it is a case about justice in general, mm-hmm. about uh, you know the way we treat foreign domestic workers mm-hmm. in this country, the way or the experiences that the lawyers and the team had to go through the struggle, you know, to 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 overcome a lot of uh, barricades, you know. Mm. So there are many ways to creatively speak about the case without even speaking about the case, yeah. in a way, you know, uh, but being inspired by it. That's what we do, right? We make music yeah. inspired by, you know, not literally about, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily. Yeah. Uh, Can you tell us some things we may not have known about the case? Because both of you were so involved at such a close level. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you had certain stories or interactions that you could tell us like. that of course that <laughs> you're fine with sharing I mean, yeah and it's okay yeah one thing that I could yeah that I can remember is the intensity of our team meetings mm. <laughs> our regular weekly team meetings leading up to the trial during the trial before the appeal and during the appeal right uh, I mean, I guess all the the kind of invisible work, like mm-hmm. at the end of it, I mean, I have a shelf at home. I call it my Yanni shelf, right? <laughs> all the documents stacked up. And you look at this kind of like printed out document bound in Times Roman 12 and yeah. it's so clinical. But this thing, this one defense submission took yeah. so much work, so much reading, each of us had to read through all the 20 notes, these notes of trial, mm-hmm. and each had to write a few paragraphs, stitch it together, do the formatting, do the footnote referencing. Footnote referencing, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and to get that, just that document, and you just look at it, and you, you, you can't even imagine what it took to reach 
that point. Right. Yeah. Right. And imagine yeah. yourself sitting in the trial and see things as they unravel, right? Mm-hmm. Based on the witness's testimony. Once that that person says, yeah, I'm a trained chef. Yeah. <laughs> With no further evidence. Or, yeah, I do wear women's clothing. <laughs> As he said it, and I was there sitting in the trial. I was like, what? So that was the other thing, right? Like, everything you read on paper is stripped of emotion. Right. Mm. Right. You don't, you don't understand what it was like to sit in court, mm. to listen to them say things yeah. like that, to hear the sentence being read out, and mm. then, the before and after, right? It's not like Yanni just spent four years going to court and from court, right? But mm. how about all the days when there was nothing happening? What about all the months waiting for the trial and in between the appeal and the mm-hmm. trial, right? Yeah. Like she's just stuck in the shelter, not able to work for mm. three years and nine months. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so much that that has not been said and the media focuses on the more sensational events, mm. you know. How, how, how has all this affected your mental well-being, like working on the case? You know, how do you balance that with your normal or your everyday life, you know? Because yes, at some point, we were very depressed and very heartbroken, right? Especially... Mm. Um, during the sentencing at the state courts. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I've given up thinking of my life as balance. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> there is no such thing as balance. If, you, if, you, yeah, if I, I wanted to reach or attain work-life balance, then I would just be setting up myself. For I mean, not, not, so, not work-life yeah. balance, but, but yeah. like personally, you know, like because, you know, I feel that when we work on such uh, uh, I don't want to use the word stressful, but intense, you know, matter for four years straight, right? We need to keep ourselves personally, like, you know, to disregard it as well, you know, but, you know, we have to, we still have family to, yeah. to, to yeah. <laughs> you know, to deal with. Yeah. with. Like, you have children that yeah. you have to yeah. deal with, you know, the, your own household, mm. you know, like uh, your actual work where you earn a salary from and at the same time doing this voluntarily, I have mm. to say. Yeah. Because a lot of people, you know, have credited the win to Anil, the lawyer, you know, and I always say, that yes, but there is a team behind it that never really gets mentioned. Mm. And, you know, no matter how great a leader is, he or she needs a team to make it happen. And that team needs to be rock solid. You know, so how do you keep it together personally? It's not the work. I mean, it was in fact very emotionally draining. And I would tell people that um what well, well whenever i went into a depression but at the same time the interesting thing about um what happened to me is that i i would also tell people that okay i'm depressed but this is a good kind of depression if there's such a thing, you know? Because I can understand that um, um, a lot of people, if not everyone, during this pandemic have gone into depression because mm. they started losing hope, they started losing purpose. But this kind of depression that I'm feeling is that, no, I, I'm, I'm depressed but I do not lose hope. I still have a purpose. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. depressed because I'm fighting for what's right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so I think the word that Gusti used is is one that resonates with me, which is mm. a sense of purpose, right? Mm. And also solidarity. Mm. So I think the fact that we had a team working together really kept us going, right? Mm. I mean, I believe resolutely in Yan's innocence. Mm. And I had Gusti with me, <laughs> so we would curse together, together <laughs> laugh mm. together, eat together. Mm. And I think without her as my companion and buddy throughout this journey would mm. have been really, really hard. Mm. You know, at, especially at low points when, I mean, we had to fly in one of our witnesses who couldn't testify mm. in the end. And um, yeah, but I I never felt that it was something I didn't want to do, mm. right? Because the sense of purpose was really strong mm. and that was a real driving force, right? So it's like, yeah, okay, I'm tired. Yeah, okay. Um, this this really sucks. This is really frustrating. But mm. never at any point did I feel the purpose. Uh, I never questioned the sense of purpose. Mm. It was only just finding ways to deal with tiredness, for example. Never in our lowest point did we ever think of walking away from this. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, it was just really that we had a good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would do you imagine? Like along the process, I mean, before the final verdict came about, uh, would you like to have had more supporters? You know, whether moral, you know, the moral support or uh, actual support in terms of uh, administrative or financial or something like that. What kind of supporters would have helped you? Media. I mean, I um, I feel that the media. Uh, did a pretty shameful job up to the acquittal. Mm. Um, you know, I at the time when the trial was ongoing, I was reaching out to different media outlets mm. and they were like, mm. you know, they attended the trial in the beginning, then they lost interest. You know, they showed mm. up when important people mm. showed up, like Lin Maliao, and then mm, they lost interest. Mm. You know, the things that are shocking people now, mm. they're not news, you know, they were revealed in court. The mm. fact that Carl Yu said, I wear women's clothing. Mm. The fact that you, Madam Ng said, something that could not possibly be true mm. that Yani did this in 2000 whatever but she mm. wasn't even hired by them mm. you know the fact that Liu Malyong said the police report is not like a memo to cabinet mistakes mm. are to be expected he said that in court under mm. both mm. was anybody there did anybody report that mm. no mm. so then before the acquittal I also reached out to a few media persons too mm. because no one was there no one attended the high court appeal every mm. day mm. so I was like do you even know what happened during the high court appeal because mm. the high court judge was asking very tough questions of the prosecutor mm. so I actually reached out to a few media persons to talk to them say do you know what happened in mm. the high court and then after the acquittal it was like I don't know it was such a dramatic turn right mm. yeah. suddenly people were swarming around Anil <laughs> swarming around Yani mm. you know sending me name cards mm. texting me <laughs> asking for out. exclusive yes. interviews okay <laughs> we still have that media queries until now yeah so I mean of course you know we are glad for the media coverage right yeah. but yeah. I guess a part of me was also like where were you when this mm. trial was ongoing all mm. these things that are uh, out in the open were out in the open months ago. Yeah. But when Yani was sentenced, what did you do? You just completely regurgitated what the state court judge said mm. and then you just spread it out and repeated it in your mm. you know, street side. There's only one media and that's an alternative media yeah. <laughs> who so have been following the plate from the East Coast yeah. who attended every, almost every day mm-hmm. he would come if he could make it. Mm-hmm. And he was asking really tough questions and he was so shocked and surprised that Asking you know, who? I've been asking tough questions of 
what was happening in court, mm-hmm. right? Like, how could this be? Why did they say this? Uh-huh. This contradicts mm-hmm. what this person said, you know. So I'm really disappointed in mm-hmm. the mainstream media um, mm-hmm. because I feel that you know you they only latched on when when she was acquitted, mm-hmm. and also because um there were sensational elements to mm. the case. Mm. Then what about all the others that don't pique your interest, mm. right? And mm. I mean, what if it wasn't, what if Liu Wanliang wasn't the chairman of Changi Airport? <laughs> Would you still care? Mm. You know, so, um, and also even the coverage, you know, like uh, where is the broader investigation of our criminal justice system? Right. Where are investigative journalists, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you only accept what people feed you? Mm. You know, why aren't you asking tough questions of the AGC, of the police mm. force, of MHA? Mm. Of the ministers in charge, mm. right? So, um, I think it would be good if we had a different, better media environment. I mean, mm. of course, you've got individuals like Kirsten Hahn, like mm. Kutila, who wrote pieces, but why is it that these are individual persons who are not paid? Mm. You're a paid journalist, right? Mm. Where's your, where's the kind of the aggressiveness that you have towards mm. chasing a story, where is it when it comes to uncovering injustices mm. in the system, mm. right? Mm. And what I really like to see. That's more. really interesting, mm. Steffi, when you brought up. Mm. Where are the investigative journalists? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm thinking about also this idea of volunteering, mm. right? So we have the Singapore that we see and read about. We have the branded Singapore and the whitewashed Singapore, which yeah. is this beautiful garden city and whatever else has been put out. Mm. But I think... When we, what we're speaking about at a deeper level is a lack of questioning. Yeah. That at its core, there are certain ideals, you know, certain base instincts that we should be um, pushing further, right? Where, where were the questions during the case, during the process, right? So maybe it's a sense of if I'm, if I'm so entrenched in, in my work, in my everyday regime, I'm not opening my eyes so much to look around and go, what's happening? I'm, I'm a little self-absorbed, right? And I guess if, if you are both in volunteering, that's, an, that's another thing. That's you taking yourself out of your daily life mm-hmm. and putting yourself at the service of others. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, a mentality that maybe needs to be learned more, do you think? Do you think um, people would benefit if there was a shift in focus mm-hmm. somewhat? This is exactly why I am involved in home on a voluntary basis because um, of my interest um, in gathering unbiased data, if there's such a thing, mm. you know. We would be fed um, constantly by mass media mm. um, uh, with big amount of data regarding yeah regarding issues um surrounding migrant workers for example so statistics would say that x number of foreign domestic workers are imprisoned or pleaded guilty mm. um yeah to um, but not theft the, accusations but not the circumstances leading to that right? I mean why they it's, plead guilty mm, nobody actually mm. questions Exactly. And by collecting these unbiased data would um, reveal answers to questions that we did not ask. Mm. Yeah. I I don't actually think there's a shortage of volunteers in Singapore. Mm. Uh, In both at home and in another Mm. organization Mm. I work with, which is also a charity, we we work a lot with volunteers and and people are constantly sort of posting about their volunteer experiences. So, Mm. I mean, I see the issue I see is that we have 
really depoliticize what volunteering means. Mm. You know, volunteering in Singapore generally the sort that sanctioned is the charitable kind of giving. Right. Right. So you see a lot of initiatives where people want to feed, right? Mm. I want to feed migrant workers. I want to give them mm. like goodie bags, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I really sure. think it's good to be generous and mm. kind. Uh, but you know, um, you you need. I'm hoping that volunteers would also, um, kind of understand and grapple with the structural issues that give rise to why people are hungry, mm. why people are in quarantine, why people are, uh, or may be unfairly treated by law enforcement, or uh, may be caught in certain circumstances, or so it's not just about um just giving people things and. In, in a way that kind of um, generates sympathy without challenging the structural issues that put them in that situation right. in the first place. So it's not just about engendering that kind of dependency, right? Mm. Yeah, so my, my my issue is not the number of volunteers, but the depoliticization of the volunteer landscape. Wow. That yeah. is a problem, mm. yeah. Depolitization. Yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of volunteers who come and they want to do good, right? Mm. So that do gooding thing, I think, is generally inculcated in yes. people. They want to be generous, especially yeah. during Christmas, right? Mm. They will give money, they will go door knocking and then I give gifts mm. and all that. So giving stuff is not a problem. Mm. Like if you say, Oh, I want to feed this person, this person is hungry, you will get people who will donate yes. food or mm. money. Yeah. But then if you start to ask questions about why is it so many people in a country like Singapore are going mm. hungry? Is mm. it right that migrant workers should be treated like this? Mm. Should they get a day off once mm. a week? Mm. Should right. they be paid a minimum wage? Mm. So we we normalize pe- uh, large numbers of persons living in states of semi-deprivation mm. and then we feel good giving to them. But do we challenge why they're in those situations mm. in the first mm. place? So what I feel there isn't enough of is volunteers kind of coming to that sense that this is unjust and this is unfair. Yeah. Even as I'm mobilizing resources to ensure that you are fed, yeah. that you are clothed, yeah. mm. I should also be concerned about the fact that you are or are not paid properly, mm. that, that labor laws are being violated. Which are the fundamental yeah. and baseline issues. You know, because, you know, what you're saying, it it is probably the root of uh, the cause of how you eventually find uh, migrant workers in need, you know, in dire straits, you know, when they are at the extreme end of being mistreated and all that. Because yeah. if it did not begin from that base, you know, of voluntarism to tackle that that base issue, yeah. you know, then it escalates, mm. you know. Uh, but I guess it's a thing about uh, convenience and a thing about uh, wanting to, most people wanting to stay far away from conflict. You know, the, the convenience of voluntarism, or for example, if you donate money, right? Mm. It's like, that's convenient. You know, like, okay, that's the least I can do or that's all I can do. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to get into, I don't have time to physically be there and right. do this. And then physically is one thing. The next step is to mentally 
you know mm. lend you my sanity mm. you know uh, yeah. to listen to issues and help you resolve issues or help migrant yeah. workers resolve issues or anybody in in need for example right you i mean know. it's a huge commitment like yeah. i'm just seeing what you guys are doing and describing in the process and this is one example of all the cases that you handle on a daily basis mm. and i mean even kind of jumping back to art right i think what art has always done is it interrogates the roots yeah mm. and the ability to do that is one that maybe isn't as um off putting as if you were confronted with the hard data as you say of a case it doesn't make people um not want to be involved or say oh i'm 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 not in this category i don't understand this like it could kind of rally people to ease into more sensitive issues i suppose mm. yeah but there's so many different types of art forms right? exactly yeah. so example i i mean I, i've been speaking to some theater practitioners but we've also been approached by filmmakers mm-hmm. you know and we also in touch with a photographer mm. um there's also the written form and then mm. i spoke to someone who's interested in a podcast like mm. a podcast series mm. wow. so i think that there there are different ways to engage with mm. the material yeah. right i mean for us specifically yeah. i mean our focus is visual arts mm. which is you know none of the things you mentioned <laughs> which is what makes oh, it no. even more disappointing oh, no. you know well it's yeah. not an area i familiar with yeah, yeah. We, so, which is yeah. why we are you know asking because we are familiar you know i think we yeah. are in touch with the ground mm. you know we observe it mm. all the time even though we don't work with all artists mm. here but mm. we are you know more or less we would like to think that we are more or less aware mm-hmm. of you know the developments and here. i think it's an open question we're kind of raising like why yeah. not you know i mm-hmm. suppose um, yeah. as you say right there's the written form film yeah. photography mm-hmm. yeah. so my so experience from i mean from interacting with these groups of people is mm. that there is support from them i mean mm. from any from the persons i've reached out mm. to mm. they've been open to talk they're very keen to do something they feel mm. very upset by mm. or moved by what happened mm. and i am excited to work with them on mm. the different mediums that mm. they are working in mm. yeah you know what one of the things i i uh, uh, realize right i mean uh for many many years now i mean since the start of my art practice or, or or involvement in arts is that especially for young artists like from the time they were art students or budding artists to the time when they are out there presenting their art in public uh one of the uh issues or the subject matter that, that will always crop up all the time is issue of identity and you know and to me this case of patiliani it reflects our national identity or our identity as singaporeans or as people living in singapore you know we cannot say that oh it's got nothing to do with me you know uh, uh, yes you know fantastic this thing happened but it reflects badly or well i don't know how this is why i am searching for yeah. uh, the artist to 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 show me the other side you know uh, you know through visual arts like uh, a way to look at our collective identity through art 
in response to this case. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I feel is missing. Mm-hmm. You know, because when we talk about national identity, it cannot always be about our achievements, right? Our yeah. uh, big, tall buildings yeah. in CBD, you know, the parties we have, our National Day Parade that is always very grand most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, our financial achievements, mm-hmm. academic achievements, but also, our, in a way, our failures, yeah. you know, uh, or a moment where we now can an incident or a moment we can now take as a reflection mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah. uh, of our society mm-hmm. you know rather than you know a lot of young artists for example I have been in contact with they would take incidents or the culture that happened say in the 1960s or 1970s mm-hmm. as a point in reflection where they were not even born yet mm, yeah. you know like uh, even things like playgrounds right the playground of 1980s Singapore mm. and then they use that as a framing for national identity you know yeah. where have all these playgrounds you know gone to and they did not even play in those playgrounds mm. but now we have something real yeah that is right in your happening face. right before your you eyes know? Yeah. Uh, and and like I said it's not just about Patiliani it is about yeah. a bigger thing yeah. you know we think about the idea like when I did a show called Singapore Utopia all we used to describe it was this on the way to Utopia and this beautiful um, dream you unearth the dirt right mm-hmm. and the dirt is something that grounds all of us right we can't escape from it we are we contend with it every day. So I guess we sell the idea of something that we want to be, but we also have to come to terms with the fact that we are a certain way, whether as volunteers, as artists, as practitioners, just all trying to live in this space and deal with each other. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like the work that you do, you know, as volunteers, uh, you don't get paid. Mm. In fact, you pay to do this, right? You have to spend time, spend resources to actually get this going and, you know, fight the battle. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not an easy thing. Yeah. But I mean, even the artists that I'm engaging with now, they're, they're speaking to me and thinking of doing things with me on a volunteer basis. They're mm. doing this as part of their theatre companies yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. because then again you come up with an institution with their own funding restrictions and yeah, censorship yeah. and KPI right? also so yeah so um, I mean the persons I'm, I'm engaging with are also thinking of doing things on their own yeah. right, as volunteers yeah. mm. so they are also sort of like spending their volunteer labor personal to, resources yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. would we see a theater yeah. production mm-hmm. of this case you think yeah, I, I don't know what will come out of mm. these discussions but I guess there could be multiple or various things that I guess I can't share too much because sure. it's very yeah. preliminary stages mm-hmm. right but um, I do think that I, I mean because when you speak about visual art then mm-hmm. I, I guess uh, I'm starting to understand what you mean by when you say you feel the artists have engaged because I don't get that feeling because mm-hmm. I've been engaging with artists that generally I've uh, already quite outspoken mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. these issues right. but I guess I've been reaching out to artists who engage in art forms that I personally engage with and are moved by right like mm-hmm. fiction because I read mm-hmm. right uh, podcasts I listen to podcasts mm-hmm. Um, and you know um, 
theater, mm. right? Not not that I'm a big theater person, mm-hmm. but I it can be very moving. I've had mm-hmm. several experiences where I feel that theater gives an opportunity to express things in a way that um, other forms cannot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what I yeah. hope from engaging with different types of artists is that their expertise in that particular art form, right, can can get us to engage in a way with what happened and question the criminal justice system in Singapore and mm. what it means for us as a society. Mm. I want because art has has a a way to make us uneasy mm. and yeah. uncomfortable mm. and to challenge it can be confronting. Mm. And art also allows for ambiguity, it mm. allows for contradictions. Mm. And I mean a lot of times as an activist we have very few tools, right? Mm. Very standard ones would be you put out a statement, you start mm. a petition, right? Mm. But it's I can I feel that this cannot be the only things that yeah. we are allowed to do. Mm. This cannot be the only ways that we are allowed to say mm. certain things. This cannot be the only way that we are allowed to engage with people who are interested. We mm. should be able to engage in, we should be able to engage humor, mm. satire. Mm. We should be allowed to be cheeky, mm. right? To, yeah. um, I mean, when you write a statement, of course, you cannot do all those things. You cannot write a statement and then, like, it's so inappropriate <laughs> to, like, you know, be saki or whatever. <laughs> but that, in my professional life, that's generally what I do. I write reports, yeah. I write statements, you know, and I really want an opportunity to um, engage with persons who, 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 who will use materials in different ways to, to encourage us to to think, to feel, mm. to rage, mm. you know, to act, to mm. plot, to motivate, mm. right? Or even if it's just, you just leave feeling that this this makes me feel so uncomfortable, mm. you know, yeah. And so, it can be packaged in a humorous way, whatever yeah. creative way that artists could come up with, yeah. right? Um, what I would personally disagree with is, um, for an artwork to make fun of an individual or an institution just for the sake of mocking them, mm. because I won't want oh, I wouldn't want that fun. What show was fun? Showing on the CAG page was quite fun. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I I expect an artwork to um, engage people in a healthy conversation and to help people understand an issue from a different lens that mm. uh, they would normally use yeah okay well thank, thank you so you much, so much. Oh, yeah. thank you that you've gotten been... so much insight into... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I, I i hope the artists curators and creators listening to this particularly i mean for us visual artists and visual arts practitioners will be moved you know to uh, create creative responses you know uh in a more dynamic and expansive way, mm. you know, not necessarily just about Patiliani, but what this case with Patiliani stands for. Mm. You know, so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank okay. you for having yeah. us. And all the best. I know the battle is not yet finished. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you.